Welcome back to the FKT Podcast. I'm your host, Heather Anderson. Today, we're catching up with Finley Wilde, who holds the unsupported FKT on the Patty Buckley Round in Snowdonia, Wales. Join us to learn about what it's like to break a supported effort unsupported and about his connection to the mountains. Well, Finley, thank you so much for uh, taking the time to join us on the show today. I'm really looking forward to chatting with you. Cheers, Heather. Thanks very much for having me on. You've had a really successful year in 2022. And um, I think the the main thing we want to talk about is all the way back in April. And you set a pretty decisive FKT on the Paddy Buckley round in Wales. And it was really stunning to me in several ways. And the first is the round itself. So I was wondering if you could describe um, the aesthetic of the route and also what makes the Paddy Buckley so challenging. Yeah, it's, it's a really great round. Uh, it's one of the, the, the what's become known as the big three in, in Britain. So it's the Welsh, um, the classic Welsh sort of 100 kilometer round. It's in Snedonia in, in north of Wales, um, which are just great mountains, a relatively small um, mountain area, but just really varied. Um, you've got some really rough, scrambly stuff. You've got grassy, rolling hills, um, quite a few bogs and un- unpathed, uh, pathless um, climbs and and areas. But you've also got a quite a real rich sort of um, cultural history. It's a it's a mining area, so there's um, there's various kind of um, uh, cultural, archaeological kind of sites where there's old mines, basically. Um, and you actually run through uh, one of them, or, or a couple of them actually, during the route. So yeah, it's a really varied area, and um, yeah, it's a it's a it's a tough round. It's 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 a great hundred um, k um, with um, eight thousand and something meters of of ascent. When you say it's really varied terrain, is there anything really technical like um, scrambling where you have to use your hands? Or is it all pretty straightforward? There's, I suppose, there's no, there's not really official scrambling. There's one mountain called Trifan, which has, um, yeah, you would use your hands a bit, particularly if you're taking the the fastest kind of most direct lines, um, and it has a really rough descent off it where you probably use your hands on the descent, sort of catching uh, yourself, uh, and yeah. So there's no sort of, I suppose, graded scrambling, but there's there's certainly scrambly sections. Yeah. So definitely it kind of requires a, a wide variety of skills. Yeah, so the con- that contrast with then some really fast, um, smooth running on sort of, uh, you know, well-defined mountain tracks on um, undulating grassy ridges where you can really get a good speed up. Um, and there's not much road. There's a tiny, tiny section of road um, after one descent before you get to another one. But there is a, a little bit of... of yeah, more um, we'd call it a forestry track, like a vehicle, tra- like yeah, vehicle tracks, uh, low down in some of the valleys. So the second thing that I found super impressive about your time was that you took over an hour off of the previous FKT, which was supported, and you did this completely unsupported. So I was just wondering if you could talk a little bit about that, like set- setting that record, but also just like why you chose unsupported. I was gaining confidence. Uh, I'd done the the. The Charlie Ramsey round, which is the uh, the sort of Scottish classic round um, in 2020, and um, then the Bob Graham uh, in the Lake Districts in England in 2021. Um, so I really, it was like only a matter of time before I wanted to try and complete the set, as it were, and get get the third one. Um, so I was gaining uh-huh. confidence with how I could 
and move on these. And um, in the Ramsey's round in Scotland, I decided to do that so unsupported. Um, kind of for a mixture of reasons which are the same with um, the Paddy Buckley. Um, it's just easier. You don't have to plan for anyone else. You don't have to arrange dates or support. Um, also, I just really like the simple aesthetic of just, um, you know, going out and, you know, obviously I'd recced and got to know everything, uh, the route, and uh, have a think about my kind of personal logistics. But um, yeah, then it's just really simple. You go out, you choose the day when the weather looks good and, and off you go. And um, it's a f- the full test of yourself. You're doing everything. You're doing the navigation, the pacing, and the fueling, the, obviously the carrying the kit. Um, so I do kind of like that self-sufficiency and the simplicity of it. And um, there were a few other factors, particularly in Scotland, when I did the, the Ramsey's round, it's actually pretty remote and it is quite hard to get support in. Um, so it would have, and the weather in Scotland, uh, I live up uh, near the, the Ramsey round and formerly the weather isn't always so good. So if you, right. yeah. <laughs> So if you plan, uh, <laughs> if you plan, say a weekend or a couple of weekends in a row, and and have support organised, and then the weather isn't good on either of those, I think people sometimes feel themselves pushed into going where the weather's suboptimal. Uh, but really, for a fast ride, you want you want near optimal weather. You know, no, there's a load of reasons why people would would just go with with what weather they've got. You know, people have got time booked off work and busy lives doing other things. But uh, I wanted to devote a bit more time to it so that I could uh, go when the weather was good. So yeah, same in for the Paddy. Uh, the the Bob Graham was uh, fully supported, so that was a totally different experience itself. But for the Paddy Buckley uh, down in Wales, a pretty rough round. I was I was reasonably confident that I, I should be able to um, get near to the record, uh, even unsupported it was no way a given but I was reasonably confident so I kind of like that that challenge again the simplicity uh, the aesthetic of it but just the uh, just the ease of organizing um, mainly one of the um, things I thought was interesting was your rather unremarkable start and end point at a bus stop uh, how did you choose your start and end point was that is that the common place to start and end the Paddy Buckley or was there some other reason for, yeah. for choosing this uh, inauspicious location? No, that's a good good point because most rounds, of course, have, have a, def- a very defined start and finish point. Um, and uh, yeah, the, the, the Bob Graham round in, in the lakes has got the Moot Hall, which is this lovely old sort of um, uh, tower in the middle of uh, a, a lovely, beautiful Lakeland town um, and so it makes for good pictures and things um, in, up in the Scottish one on the Ramsey's round it's, uh, it's, it tends to be the youth hostel in, in Glen Nevis which is a very you know, definite point but for the, the Paddy Buckley round um, there's sort of less of a defined start and finish as long as you complete the loop which I, you know, I like that aesthetic you know, it doesn't have to be a specific point as long as you do the mountains and do the loop close the loop uh, it can start and finish anywhere um, and and people do tend to vary that so there's a couple of valleys that um, are the most common ones so Clumberis where I started and finished is probably the commonest but also Capelcuri uh, at the east end is, is fairly common to start and finish and I think there's pros and cons to different approaches in terms of how you um, where you get to the different terrain uh, 
in your round, so whether you're fresh or tired, but also what time of day it is and how much light you've got. Um, how much light, I suppose, is a bit less of an issue on a on a fast round in the summer because you're, you know, I had a head torch for the first hour or something, and then I was in the daylight the whole time. Whereas if it was a twenty four hour round, you're you're in the dark for a lot longer. Um, so you, you basically choose wherever you're going to have your start or finish point. So I um, yeah, I, I a few things like. Clamberis, I was actually staying with a friend there, so logistically it was pretty easy because you're obviously getting up early and starting early, which is nice to be able to walk out the door and go down to the the centre. Um, and also doing it that way meant that you do the one of the rougher sections, the, the glitters, first, when you're nice and fresh. And then the second section is quite relatively smooth. And the third section is this long, quite... Um, potentially quite tiring section that's quite um, undulating and sometimes a bit boggy uh, with some not hard navigation but um, the peaks are a bit less defined so you have to be really on on it and I wanted to do that so that would be about just before halfway I'd be doing that and then it meant that the final section I would be doing off uh, Snowden and then down to the end was quite a a runnable um, well defined track so I thought that would work quite well um, for me so yeah that's kind of why I chose that point and why I chose the bus stop really was there's not um, obviously you want the shortest line you can so um, that was the the sort of um, the area in town really where the, the line of the route crossed town so um, there wasn't anything kind of much more uh, iconic <laughs> or anything there so I didn't uh, yeah yeah I didn't make put on any extra um any extra mileage I could have gone to. There's a, there's a famous climber's cafe called Pete's Eats, uh, which does huge cups of tea, which we, we love our tea in Britain, obviously. Right. Uh, but that would have, yeah, that would have made it uh, a bit longer, maybe a kilometre longer. So yeah. wouldn't be doing that. I loved your finish photo. You're just like laying on the pavement, like all muddy and sweaty and obviously very tired <laughs> and just at this bus stop. And I did anybody walk by and ask you what you'd been up to or you know is, is it a common sight here in, in town are they used to people like doing this? <laughs> I mean it's quite a mountain town so they definitely will be used to seeing all sorts of um you know runners and climbers and swimmers and people doing odd things uh, I I it was yeah it was it was it was so unsupported by my friends uh knew you know sort of I was going for the record and had an idea of what time I'd be I'd be finishing, so there were uh, half a dozen people at the at the finish there when I came in, uh, which was which was really nice to see. So um, yeah, they um, I think I wrote I said in my write up that uh, you know on these big runs that sort of when you when you finish you know when you finish the the, the, the kind of euphoria is first like stopping stopping running because you've obviously been thinking about the end for several hours. And just to stop running is nice. And then it's sitting down and and then it's maybe getting a cup of tea, which one of them had brought. And uh, then it's sort of savoring the record. So it's like uh it's like the uh the human comfort. It's like first it's stopping and then relaxing and then uh thinking about, oh, okay, new record. <laughs> yeah. There's a progression to it for sure. You Yeah. You know, I finished a lot of FKTs and and usually the the first five minutes, I'm just so glad I'm done. You know, (laughs) that's all I'm I'm just glad I'm not moving. (laughs) 
which I think you, which I think, yeah, people, people who don't um, do these long runs would think, well, why did you do it if you're just thinking about <laughs> finishing? But right. the, 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 yeah, it's it's a great feeling as well because you've you've uh, you've achieved this, yeah, uh, you know, this this big memorable day out that you'll probably remember for the rest of your life, and it's been really tough in the latter stages. So yeah, finishing is is so rewarding. Um, yeah. And uh, yeah, I guess the I guess that's part of the the allure of these big challenges is that they make the little things like stopping running, having a cup of tea, uh, having a shower. You know these things they make them uh, the luxuries of life seem all the all the better. Absolutely, you appreciate everything so much more. I was a uh, part of why I asked about whether you got any interesting looks or, or commentary from passersby. Is I I was in. Uh, Scotland this last summer doing a lot of backpacking and in the U.S. you usually get a lot of commentary if you're just like sitting around town dirty and muddy and with a backpack and I like never experienced that in Scotland like everyone was just like nobody even looked at me twice like they're just like okay it's normal so I was just curious because it's so different from the U.S. to like what I experienced how it just seems so normative to be sitting to be in town yeah having done something in the mountains you know like clearly you were out you know mucking about in the mountains great you know <laughs> like i yeah <laughs> i i mean you you would get comments often by walkers when you're out in the hill you know well done or where are you going right. or, or certainly runners you know would, would see you on the route and probably realize um you might be on for a, a paddy say particularly if you looked you know, absolutely trashed and, and knackered right um but yeah, maybe people would be less likely to just sort of come up to you in the town at the end and and start sort of chatting. We're we're maybe a bit less confident uh, about that kind of thing than than your typical um, American. Uh, maybe I definitely feel like the attention you get in town in America is not necessarily positive. So it's <laughs> so I'm, I'm, uh, that all that aside. So I'm kind of curious if you have like maybe like a the iconic story like what what will you take with you forever from the paddy buckley like i mean whether it's like a cool thing you experienced out there or just something you learned about yourself like what 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 will the paddy buckley always mean to you yeah when i'm thinking about it now i guess um one of the things i love about mountain running or, or the yeah one of the main things about these sort of intense experiences um is that you you um you have these sort of snatched views and memories. You're not stopping and looking at the view the same way as a walker might, um, but you still you still have these um, memories, which are I think all the better and all the more intense because you were sort of a moving element in the landscape. And maybe there's something sort of primal there, something animalistic almost about um, you know sort of you weren't just uh, uh, looking at it from a from a plain window, say, you know, you were, you were an animal using its body to to uh, to move and exist and and you know and uh, survive, I suppose, because it's it's you know it's 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 tough to survive in this landscape, this beautiful landscape, um, this natural landscape. So I have memories of of like um, coming up onto the first hill and and uh, this. Uh, the second or third hill when the sunrise was up and, and I could kind of, it was quite a subdued sunrise, but I could, 
I could see the hills I was going to be on in, you know, uh, 45 minutes and then, you know, in an hour and then in three hours and kind of glimpse these and sort of steal myself towards the, the challenges ahead. Um, and then, yeah, later on, like the scrambly bit on Tufan, like that's a great memory that it has two summit blocks, um, which get called Adam and Eve, which are, um, you know, sort of eight, eight foot high with, I don't know, um, uh, four foot in between them maybe. And so to, to gain the freedom of Trifan, you, you jump between these two blocks and it's, it's pretty exposed and not everyone, not everyone does it, but, um, I sort of definitely wanted that experience in my, uh, in my round. Uh, so remembering that, um, also remembering, uh, further on, you go into a different, uh, slate area in, in what's called the Mullwinds. And that was, that was an area where I, um, I did a short race, a short fell race, um, about seven years ago where I, I was my first British championship race that I won. Um, and I actually became British champion for the first time that year. Um, the second time being this year, <laughs> but, uh, so I had these great memories of that area as a whole and was able to sort of relive some of that. And I loved the fact that there's these layers of memories. So, um, I, I covered a small amount of the same route, but could then remember a totally different race and a totally different day, you know, years ago. Um, I love how these layers build up on each other and, and sort of really help, help to connect you to a place, uh, in a, in a, in a deeper way. So memories like that. And then really in the, in the second half, to be honest, I struggled quite a bit with nausea. So I do have quite a memory of just, just mentally having to manage that and it being it being really pretty tough and, you know, obviously not wanting to start being sick, but need knowing that I need to keep, keep fueling, keep drinking and quite keep eating. So a memory of that being tough, but ultimately managing to do that. And, uh, and then of course, as you get close to the, the very finish, um, that hardship sort of melts away because you're so you're anticipating the, the finish so much. And you are so close that you often get this sort of, well, not even a second wind, but a final wind, um, where, you know, you speed up and you're really chasing the, the time. And, um, this was shortly before sunset actually, and just coming down off, uh, Mul Ilio, which is the final mountain, um, quite a runnable track down to Canberras in front of me, this real traditional old mining town. Um, and just, uh, knowing that I had it in the bag and just really having had another day that was, I suppose, yeah, memorable, memorable because it was, it was long and tough, but, uh, unique and yeah, really, uh, really varied. So ho hopefully that sort of answers, answers it. Yeah. Yeah. I think that that's, I, I think that that's really lovely. Like you touched on a lot of really, um, beautiful themes there too that I think that a lot of us that love running in the mountains can resonate with and it kind of makes me want to know a little bit like more you mentioned earlier you know how you you used to do a lot of climbing before you became a runner and they you know so you've obviously had this like lifelong connection to the mountains so I'm curious what your um progression has been like how you got into you know the mountain running and and maybe what your, your overall connection to the mountains is like, what does it mean to you 
tubia. There maybe it's the same as what you were just talking about, but I would be curious if you could talk a little more about that. Yeah, I was really lucky um, growing up. So my I, li- I lived in a you know pretty rural place in in the Highlands of Scotland, um, King Ucy, and then and then Fort William, where I li- live now. I went to school here, and uh, my parents, you know, they loved, loved the mountains. My dad's a, a mountain a retired mountain guide. Uh, my mum uh, was a really good um, hill runner in, in her day. Uh, so I guess growing up, it was always exposed to that uh, walks, but also just um, being out in you know climbing trees and building huts and all those kind of things. Um, so it was quite a kind of wild childhood where, uh, yeah, you were out often, um, just kind of doing your own thing with some friends, build you know building gang huts and riding your bikes around with no real kind of structure. Um, and then of course you know I'd be I was taking, you know, climbing and up hills and things at a young age. And I was in the scouts, which I feel was a really good um good opportunity just to kind of explore that some more. So you're camping and, and building fires and just again getting comfortable in, in outdoor places. So I didn't really know any different um you know, contrasting that maybe to someone who's grown up in the inner city somewhere, a big city, who I, I think, you know, the, the outdoors can be quite daunting to them um initially. But I, I didn't really know any difference. So I, I obviously had a big um, head start in that that regard. And then, um, yeah, sort of convinced my dad to teach me more climbing. Wasn't really ever sort of pushed into it, but uh, uh, convinced him to show us some leading and other things. And then, yeah, at university, I went to Aberdeen on the east coast of Scotland for, for medical school. And uh, yeah, there's a climbing group there called the Larig Club. And yeah, just in there, we'd be away sort of every weekend and any other time we could, you know, be the climbing wall or um, winter climbing uh, on the kind of Eastern Cairngorms a lot of the time. So that was sort of building my skills and my experience. And those were some really great days, uh, mostly, yeah, climbing or walking. And then, and then I did get into more running. I'd always ran a bit, but I got a bit more serious into my running, particularly on the days when the conditions were bad for climbing. And I'd just go off on my own and get some more Monroes, which are the 4,000 foot peaks in, in Scotland. Um, so building that up and then gradually was doing more running, more racing. Uh, and over the years, yeah, now I do, you know, still do some, some easy climbing, some scrambling, some alpine stuff, but, but mostly running, obviously. I was, I suppose I was once asked, how do I fit, um, running and mountain time in? around doing a medical degree and then being a, doc- a junior doctor and, and now a GP. And I gave some sort of waffly answer. And and months later, I, I suppose I, I thought of, I should have just said uh, a simple answer that, um, well, you know, I never wasn't going to have the mountains in my life. So everything else sort of had to, to fit around that. And I, I think I'd really still say that's true. Um, they're, they're like one of the most important things uh, in my life, you know, so I've structured life around that, you know, living somewhere mountainous, having time to get out in the mountains. And, you know, I suppose spare time is is largely planned around training, yes, but also getting out on, on these these great days out. Um so I just get such a lot of I suppose freedom from being out in the hills. Uh I love the idea that it's not um you know, let's say 
there aren't really any rules. Uh, obviously, there's there's sort of good practice, but essentially you can choose to interpret and do do things uh, the way you want to, as long as you're doing it in a respectful way. Um, but also, I love the this was the the headspace was well, linked to freedom, the headspace to just uh, unwind and maybe you've had a busy day at work or whatever and just you go out for a run and I love how the mind sort of um, it, it fluctuates between maybe thinking about specific problems or specific tasks or, or things going on in your life to then just some, you know after a few hours you'll just realize you haven't really been thinking about anything or then you're you're busy thinking about your hands and your feet because there's a scrambly section or something like that and I love how that just just changes and, and fluctuates and um, and often but you know so many times when I'll be out for a run I'll I'll be more inspired for tasks in other parts of my life I'll have right I need to write a list of these things and I've got more I, I maybe ideas for projects or sort of creative things so I, I feel like I'm the best version of myself when I'm when I'm running or you know or at least uh when I have uh running a mountain time in my life, I feel that that really helps me to, to be the best version of myself. I, I resonate with that. Like, I feel like the mountains are of utmost importance to me and, and I've always structured my life around my time there, which is very much the opposite of the way most people do it, you know? And so, um, yeah, I think that, that you put that very well. I noticed when I was, um, you know, researching for this podcast, that you're also an artist and that you do a lot of um, artwork based off of your experiences in the mountains. And so I was kind of curious if you could talk a little bit about about that. I think that that's a really interesting um, piece of, of information about your, your, your life and your personality. Thanks. Yeah, that um, was a, yeah, has been a really interesting period. I think, yeah, truthfully, it it was a period, and uh, I haven't. I wouldn't say I'm active doing that. Uh, you know, doing new pieces at, at the moment, but maybe that's something, and hopefully that's something I'll come back to in the future. But this was certainly a period of about you know five years. Part, partly started, I think, by some injuries where I was having less active time and more uh, creative time at home. Um, because yeah, because running, you know, running is a form of well, exercise can be really creative, can't it? You're deciding what to do. You're working out your own routes. So I suppose I was I was running less. I was a bit injured, and I was uh, looking for other outlets. And anyway, so I had this great period of 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 years when I was doing just experimenting with color and and um, and designs and and my uh, I'm not you know particularly like trained as an artist or anything, and my my paintings aren't. Uh, particularly complex but I loved the idea of trying to um, maybe get across to other people who know the mountains like the the impression of a specific you know well-known peak just in a really simplified kind of stylized way so real bright colors uh, real bold sort of designs and thick lines and um, some of them are you know just really stylized simplified and it was really fun to see if I could uh, if I could a if I could um make it something that I find recognizable, but also B, could could anyone else kind of guess them? So, um, yeah, pe- people um, seem to, you know, I've had some great comments about them and I, I 
I sell some prints and things locally. And the art's on my uh, website, which is gomountaingoats.com. But yeah, it's been a real, it's been a real fun project. So what's next on your must explore list? Uh, maybe with regard to just personal exploration or races or FKTs? <laughs> yeah, I, I feel like um, I, I haven't got any uh, better at sort of pinning down these objectives. Like I, <laughs> the way I, the way I, and I don't mind that because the way that I, I sort of like them to seep into your, your mind gradually, and then suddenly you you kind of know what you're going for. So at the moment, I'm hoping to to be out in the Alps and the French Alps, doing a lot of um, ski racing and, and ski touring uh, over the over the winter, but also very much looking to how can I sort of maximize my my training uh, to get me prepared for whatever it is I, I launch into to next year. So um, I would love to, yeah, do some more long rounds. Um, I'm not sure exactly what that'll be. Uh, I, I was, um, when I did my, my Bob Graham round, I was, uh, I was very close to, well, I was about seven minutes, under seven minutes slower than Killing Journey's record at the time. Um, and I was quite keen to go and have another look at that. Uh, and then uh, Jack Kenzel has uh, smashed that record, taking uh, 29 minutes off Killian. So I, I would have, uh, you know, 35 minutes or so to, to make up to try and get to get close to Jack, uh, you know, which is which is a lot more than seven minutes. So so um, so I don't know if I will feel, uh, you know, ready for that or when I'll feel ready for that. But that that. Uh, Obviously, yeah, you know, people have asked me about that, and it would be it would be cool to try, but I'd need to be feeling pretty confident, I think, to to put the effort in because, you know, my attempt, uh, you know, when I when I did it before, it was a great day out, and I I ran really hard, and really well for myself, and you know, there's a few things I could change, but uh, so we'll see, um, on that, but certainly the other one, Jack Jack got my Tranters record, which is in in La Cabra, so my local round, uh, so I'd certainly want to have another look at that, um. Uh, see if I can if I could edge close edge that back. That was my next question when you mentioned Jack. I yes. was like, he you held that record for a day, or your new record, and then yeah, Jack broke yeah. it. <laughs> yeah, so I I'd had the record, um, and so I thought, yeah, I first got it, I guess. Um, uh, oh, I'd have to check. Maybe like twenty sixteen or twenty seventeen. I I first had it, but yeah, then I took times off it a couple of times, and and, and yeah. The day before Jack went for his, I, I nudged it um, seven minutes faster or something, and right. then Jack took a bit, uh, fifteen minutes off that time. So <laughs> it was, um, yeah, it was absolutely great to to meet Jack and the whole process of him coming over and and wrecking it and giving it loads of respect and time, and then uh, just seeing someone, uh, you know, of that um, of that um, skill. Of that talent, uh, sort of being interested in this tranter ride, which doesn't get a huge amount of fast attempts, to be honest. So, I uh, really just enjoyed uh, sort of sharing in the process and uh, just in enjoying him enjoying it. Uh, so, he definitely, yeah, delighted he came over and gave that attention. And now I've got him, um, you know, uh, an even bigger sort of uh, 
incentive. It's, it's quite hard sometimes racing yourself, uh, but now, uh, yeah, even more incentive to get back and, and see if I can improve and, and run faster. Cause ultimately that's, uh, you know, that's a great feeling if we're pushing each other, isn't it? As, yeah. As runners. I am kind of curious. Did you know he was intending to go out like the next day when you went out, like you just wanted to make it just a little harder for him or was that completely coincidence? <laughs> so it's funny because we'd, uh, it wasn't complete coincidence. No, because he'd been in touch when he was, um, planning to come over and, uh, you know, he, I didn't really, I hadn't heard of him, I must admit. So it was, it was an, a, a random American had texted me, had emailed me, and then he, and then he was, a few months later, he was like, oh, I'm here, I'm wrecking, it's great, you know, blah, blah, blah. And then, um, then I think he wanted to get some shoes sent to my house because he, he was just living in a van. So I needed to give him, him my address. And at that point, I thought, well, I better Google him and check he's you know, <laughs> a real person. <laughs> find out and, about uh, this person <laughs> yeah and then i was like oh he's he's done some stuff yeah um yeah so uh, and then actually that same you know afternoon we met and we did a, just a short run on ben nervous and we just clicked immediately and had had great chat the whole way up and the whole way down um but and i sort of said well look i i kind of i so my previous record for tranters um uh was a uh, nine um nine hours and five seconds so I, I obviously when I was doing that record, I was trying really hard to get it under nine hours, but it didn't quite get there. So I always had this thing that I wanted to go back and get it under nine. And I was thinking before Jack was on, on the scene that I need to, I'd like to go back and, and try and take a bit off that. Particularly this year when I'd been probably mostly, well, after the Paddy Buckley in April, later on in the year, I did loads of shorter races and had a great year actually. But um, what well, probably my best year. Um, as a runner but uh yeah i've been doing mostly shorter stuff so i was kind of curious to see how i would do the tranter ride which is 60 kilometers um off the back of not tons of like distance specific training um so i was thinking about doing it and yeah i suppose the fact that jack was around certainly focused the mind a bit <laughs> but also also the um also the you know the weather there there had to be a bit varied weather so there was this like couple of days, two or three days weather window coming up and sort of, uh, we both, it was quite obvious that we were both kind of looking at it. And, um, I don't think either of us had sort of came out and said, right, I'm going on that day. Um, but I, yeah, I went out and, and had my go. And then, um, he, he saw on Strava and had to do a last minute kind of calculation of all his split times and everything. Um, but obviously then still went out and, and, and smashed it. So, uh, yeah, and it was a real fun part to the story as well, just how it was all happening so, so close. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show today. I really appreciate you taking the time. No, hey, it's always a privilege to be asked to talk about, um, you know, your own feats and, uh, you know, stuff that you, you love doing. So thanks very much for asking me and hopefully I've, I've kind of got that across. Thanks again, Finley, for coming on the show. You can check out his FKT report on the website, fastestknowntime.com, and see his art and read his fantastic blog on gomountaingoats.com. Thanks for tuning in. Until next time, this is Heather on the FKT Podcast. <laughs>